Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12. Ryan and Jared here with the Expanding Life podcast. We are forever thrilled to to talk about a topic which really benefits or plagues the direct sales world, and that is leading from the front. (laughs) (laughs) Leading from the front. Uh, I was going to say something, but I won't. Leading from the front, though, Ryan. It's important. It's very important. So important. I feel like they're kind of jumping right into it. Uh, There are a few different schools of thought when it comes to managing, right? Leading people, managing uh, managing an office. Uh, I definitely know I've gone, I've thought about this a lot. And some people might think, well, if you're a manager, kind of traditional style, you see it in movies or in shows, people make fun of it. you know, you're, you're sitting in a cubicle, you're behind the desk, you're, we, we make fun of them by saying like they're shuffling paper, sharpening pencils, yeah, right? The sharpening pencil. I yep. always use it. Yep. Sharpening yep. pencils and stuff. Straightening I, the papers. And in direct sales, especially because it's such a production based business. Um, and like if, 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 uh, if sales don't happen, obviously you know, we don't have anybody else to come save us. Right. We don't have revenue that's generated, uh, just for kicks and giggles. Like, yeah. We make money. Everybody gets paid uh, by a product being sold, and then obviously an installation occurring. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's really important in our business. We've made it abundantly clear for people that are in a leadership and management position that they are to be leading from the front. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, we are big believers here. Obviously, we came from direct sales, so we know what it was like. The best example that you can set for somebody that you are leading is by setting the example in what they're supposed to be doing, yep. right? You're asking them to go out there and produce revenue, make sales. Uh, what is going to be more impactful or powerful for that person you're leading? Is it going to be telling them behind a desk, this is how you make a sale, this is what you say here, this is what you do? Or is it going to be more impactful for that person by actually showing them as opposed to telling them, yep. right? Uh, and obviously that should be a rhetorical question, the, the biggest impact, the way that the highest impact you can have with people you're leading is by not telling them what to do or how to do it, but by showing them. Yeah. And, and I get that this is not maybe traditional management or traditional sales management. You see, sure. uh, you know, different industries and, and, and other roles and responsibilities in, in business. And, and once someone moves into management, they might move out of sales, right? Mm-hmm. And, and for whatever reason, it works. I'm, I'm going to assume it works. Uh, I don't know for certain. Maybe our way of doing things would be better for those industries as well. But I will say that I will hang my hat on that within the realm of direct sales, it's tough for offices to see success without a leader leading from the front. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes you can shirk that responsibility if you have other individuals who are in a way carrying the torch that they, they see those individuals as just as much of leaders as they do potentially the manager of the team. Um, but now those are the ones that are, are setting the mark for everyone else. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you're, you're doing a job, you're selling, and then you get a promotion, so to speak, to become a manager of a team. And it just the way that it is, is you are expected to do the previous job that you did and do the new job. 
And some will argue, I will say, oh, that's impossible. It's like, it's tough to be, to manage and sell and do it all together. And I just call BS on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't tell you the thousands and thousands of sample studies, you know, uh, so what was it? that's not sample studies, samples. What do you say? Sample? It's not studies. Examples or um, sample, sample. It's something with sample. Uh, sample size. Sample, maybe. Anyways, it might be sample size. What I'm thinking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, it's all right. But I can't tell you the the thousands and thousands of examples of individuals going before us and we've, we, what we've worked with um, who have done exactly that. Not only. Um, would they lead the office in personal production, but then they would also help manage everybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't just that they were existing and doing a little bit of volume, but oftentimes they were doing a lot of volume. You know, one of the, one of the stories that people probably get sick of, of me sharing, but it was a kind of a tale of two worlds, but it was, we had this one management team where both of the individuals, they were in a kind of a co-managed relationship and they were straight up killers. I mean, I'm talking top, top probably 0.5%, mm. both of them, from an individual production standpoint. Top 5%, 0.5% industry, oh. industry standard. Like straight born killers, but honestly could have given two licks about the rest of their team. Like, I, I hate to admit it, but that was the case. Like, they, they had a team there with them, they thought that was a good thing to do. They 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 put together the team. They recruited the team, but when it came time to press go, they were only concerned with their personal production. Mm. And then I had this other manager who man did everything right, like like a walking twenty one irrefutable laws of leadership, like just to a T. Knew how to manage. Knew how to lead. Knew how to inspire. Knew how to dry people's tears. Like knew how to like create structure and all those types of things. But at the end of the year, which team bested the other? And it was actually the former. They actually destroyed them. Mm. Their per rep average was absolutely insane. They, they ended up being the top office. Most offices are averaging a, a head count of around 25. With 12 people, they beat every other team wow. in the entire company. Jeez. And so, look, I'm not one to say we have to skirt uh, – our responsibility to be great leaders and do all the things the right way. I'm just saying do that and lead from the front. Mm. And you're going to be able to provide value to your team that you never could otherwise, right? There's, there's something to be said about a belief system that you create. And, and most individuals are going to walk in on day one knowing that they're new, that they're green, and they're going to look at what the performance is like mm. in the team. And they're going to justify that they're not quite as good, clearly, as their manager or the experienced reps or whatever. And they're going to shoot for 50% less of that. So it's absolutely critical that whatever that watermark is, that we are aiming high so that when they shoot 50% less, then they're still doing somewhat okay. Not only that, but most of the time, there's a conversation where we're enrolling people on this phenomenal opportunity and we talk about what you're capable of earning. Well, if they look around the room after their first week there and no one is doing the volume to justify earning what has been discussed, 
then I think it's really easy for people to, you know, get a little disenchanted. You know, you're 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 kind of a charlatan. Like this isn't what's happening here, right? Um, what's what's amazing though, as as leaders, we can 100% control that. And until you have a culture with other individuals who can help you lead the charge, you have to lead the charge. Someone needs that belief system. And at Encore, we're privileged to bring in new talent on a very consistent basis. And it doesn't matter that if you led the charge a month ago or six months ago, those new people haven't seen that. Yes. So it's absolutely critical that you do it again and again and again and again, right? Because we've all been there as rookies. You're almost looking for any reason when you start to maybe quit because mm-hmm. it's sometimes not fun. Yeah. You're trying to figure this out, and you're like, well, if this isn't how they said it was, well, then I guess it's it's not what I really signed up for. Then then maybe I'll go do something different. No, it's it's every single week a new individual, a new crop of, of, of reps come in onto the team. They have to know what good is. And a manager can set that 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 example for him. hundred percent. And for the record, Ryan, just so you know, I never get sick of your stories. Okay. I'll always Thanks. listen to your Thank stories. Thank you, Jared. You can tell them to me yeah. over and over again. Yeah. And I'll act like it's the first time I've ever I appreciate heard it. that. I need that validation. <laughs> yeah. Um you you touched on so many freaking good points there. Like I'm trying to think like where do I even start? One of the things you mentioned though is you mentioned the word like charlatan. And I hear this a lot with managers and leaders and they're like the most important thing for new reps is that they, they got to make money really quick. And while that is true, it also doesn't speak to the underlying principle of why that's important and actually what comes before that. And I've always been a big proponent of this. The foundation of any relationship is trust. Yep. Right. And when you're a manager when you're a leader, right, you have the mantle, the responsibility of being in a management or leadership position. We call it positional leadership. Like for us area managers or solo managers, um, it is your job to be able to not only obviously tell the story of what is possible for a new rep, but then to uphold and ensure that that story is actually true. Yep. And so when you bring a new rep in, you say, hey, it's going to be awesome. You're going to be able to have a good opportunity. You're going to be able to make a lot of money. This is what is possible. You bring them into it, right? And they're a 10 out of 10 or 11 out of 10. You get them onboarded. They come in for day one of training and they get started. A week goes by and all of a sudden they see ah, people are late to the meeting and the manager's not really that good in front of a group or you just kind of have low energy you know, and people just don't seem to really have a ton of belief. And all of a sudden they look at the leaderboard, they look at the board and they see nobody's producing the numbers that the manager said was being produced, right? And a week goes by then, and they see the manager is nowhere near producing. Or maybe the manager hasn't produced at all. Yeah. So, Which is terrifying. Which is absolutely terrifying. So is it true, yes, that that new rep needs to make money to know that they can take care of, obviously, those fundamental needs? Yes, it is true. But before that, that new rep is thinking, I don't know that I can trust this manager yeah trust all of a sudden now the foundation has started to crack and that is the worst thing you can do in a relationship that foundation has started to crack and pretty soon that's where you then having the rep starting to not show up to meetings 
they, you know, they're now breaking commitments because the manager has first broken that commitment. For sure. But we like to put it on the the rep. Yeah. Oh, that rep was just not a good fit, or that rep they just didn't work out, or they're lazy, or they didn't show up. It's like actually look at yourself first. Yeah. Because I think there's probably more to it that you're not wanting to look at. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I think is a really important uh, piece to examine is the market constantly shifts. I mean, let's look at our, our solar space in the last year, you know, as, as capital markets have really tightened up, we see shifts all the time with Mm -hmm. different lending products, right. That we, that we have for our, our, you know, front facing customers. And, you know, if you are someone who the last time that you were really in it was six months ago, man, things have changed, Tons. right? Yeah. And, and and a lot of times certain sales reps, right? Like all they're looking for from your leadership, and you can, you can say that they're wrong or they're bad in this, but a lot of times all they're looking for is just that extra edge. Mm-hmm. Just get me 1%, 2%, 5% better so that I can produce more sales and earn more income. And if you have an inability to talk intelligently about that, then all of a sudden they're looking around the room and they're wondering what value are you adding to yes. me in the first place, yeah. you know? And, and once again, like you need to be the person who is leading from the front in the fact that as things shift, as maybe we move territories, as maybe things change with our financing products or whatever, that you're the one that's coming to the rest of the team with the answer. Mm-hmm. Go, I'm living this with you. And this is how we're going to go to market with yes. it. And you're speaking from a level of certainty because you're actually performing the same job that you're asking them to. Yeah, 100%. And one of the things you just mentioned, why is it that we have frontline leaders that are in charge of leading production? And I gave this, we gave this example right at the retreat, is that the number one priority for a frontline leader is to drive production. Yeah. And we use that word drive very intentionally. You imagine a vehicle, you imagine a car. Who is the only person that's equipped to drive a car? You, it's a person that's in the driver's seat, right? Yep. You can't drive a car <laughs> if you're if From you're in the, the back, back, right? You try. If you're, My wife tries. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, if you're in the Love trunk. you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, she doesn't watch this, does she? No, I don't think so. Hopefully not. <laughs> but like, you, if you're in the trunk of the car, hopefully not, you can't drive the car though. And so I feel like a lot of our managers try to take that approach where I'm going to be in the back seat and hopefully the car is just going to drive itself, you know, to assume there's no self-driving cars. Yeah. Um, but no, a frontline leader can make the biggest impact for production, yeah. right? And this is why I gave this example. I, I pointed to one of our, our solar managers, right? I said, who can drive production in the field better, you or me? And he's like, well, well I can. I'm like, exactly. I think some of us, though, sometimes where we're a little bit further removed from frontline production, we get it twisted where we think, oh, I can, I can make things happen from 1,000 miles away or 2,000 miles away. It's like, nope. The person that's driving the car can drive production better than yeah. anybody else can. It's great. Right? In the office. Yep. Uh, I, I gave this example, too. We, we put up on, on the board. Um, I, I was actually looking for a good picture of it. I couldn't find a good picture of it, though. If you imagine, if you imagine a manager is just producing just kind of bare minimum, right? I compare it to like, they're just treading water, right? They're barely keeping their head above water, right? Well, if the principle is true that you're the average of your team is going to produce 50% 
or lower of what you are personally producing, what does that then mean for your reps? If the manager is treading water, yeah, means that the reps are drowning. Yes, right, of course. And I think we can kind of get this false sense of security for those managers that are treading water. They're like, but Jared, I'm still able to recruit a lot of people and bring them into the opportunity. I said that might be true, but that's actually more dangerous. Because instead, if you're a manager that's not leading from the front and producing at a high level, now the people that you're attracting and bringing into the opportunity, bringing into the company, they're not the level three, level four, level five leaders. Yep. It's the level ones, Yeah. right? It's the people who... Or you bring the level threes, fours, fives in and they quit and after oh, yeah. a week. And they're, they're gone, right? It's a yep. revolving door. Yeah. But you might bring 10 people on. You're like, see, Jared, proved you wrong. I brought on 10 people. And I'm going to look at the team and say, well, yeah, you just turned your team from an asset to all of a sudden now it's a massive liability because instead of having an office of 10 out of 10 producers, you have an office of one out of 10 producers, yeah. non-producers, yep. right? And so that's where people get it twisted, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm recruiting a lot and stuff. No, 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 no. You as the frontline leader, you need to not, <laughs> not tread water. You need to be so above the water, right? You need to become bulletproof. That way then, if that law is true to where it's 50%, the average is 50%, you have all of your reps are well above treading water. Then from that place, you can bring threes in, fours in, and fives in, yeah. and they stick and stay, yeah. right? And that's where you can begin to build your foundation. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, this, this takes me back to, uh, once again, the example, the story that I shared with with the two different types of leadership styles. I love styles, your stories. Right? <laughs> Thank you, Jared. Welcome. I will continue to share them with you. I just want to validate you. <laughs> Thank you. I need it. Um, but but like if I were to break down their individual performance, it was it was super interesting. So in in this with this particular product, like good was selling one a day. Mm. Like that was pretty good. Sell one a day. Um, these managers would sell five a day, oh, gosh. every day, five a day. And in fact, if someone was selling one a day, I know this sounds a little cruel. If someone was selling one a day, they would put them on probation and terminate them. Wow. Two a day. You were at least two a day. And it just raised the standard. But the reason they could do that is just like you said, their watermark was so high. Yes. So high. Drowning for them looked like one a day. Yeah. Right. And it significantly impacted just the belief system for, for the entire office. It's just, it became normal to produce really, really high levels. You know, the, the only thing, other thing I wanted to share real quick is leading from the front. Isn't just in reference to personal production as leaders. There's a lot of things that we can do in leading from the front and some quick examples that I can think of is, is how much are you leading from the front when it comes to our, our brand ideal? Like, are, are we really concerned with helping our people grow? You know, climbing through, going through the career path or, or having and experiencing, you know, personal development and personal growth. Um, are we living into, you know, commitments and goals to where, man, when I put a commitment up, when I, when I say this is what we're going to do, I always nail it. Am I taking 100% responsibility for everything in my life as a leader, right? Like, am I, you know, following through with like the caliber program or the caliber fit fit program? There's just all these different avenues where where sales reps will look at you and go, okay, 
that seems cool. That same, I, I want some of that. That manager's leading in that capacity. I want to experience all those same things that it looks like he or she is experiencing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I don't want this just to live and die from a personal production standpoint. Even though that's a very critical piece of this, and a hole that I sometimes see amongst certain offices and regions. So I don't want to also lose sight of it. But there are other things too, from an individual standpoint or as leaders that we need to look at and examine to make sure that we're, we're taking in the whole picture when it, when we're talking about leading from the front. And I love that you brought that up because then it like, it leads a question. Like if I'm a manager, right. Or if I'm in a management capacity and I'm brand new and I'm looking at this, I might just think, well, man, so that means I've got to, you know, I've got to answer phone calls at all hours of the day. I got to respond to texts. I got to manage all hours of the day. Then I have to also personally produce. So this begs the question then, Okay, well then, what is the actual, how do I actually live into this? What is the actual structure? And we covered this at our regional retreat, yeah, right? Yeah, Keep, Keeping it really, really, really simple. It's like, okay, well, if I'm in a management capacity and maybe I need to coach or I need to do a one-on-one with a rep, you're not doing a one-on-one at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. No, because you're also pulling them away from revenue-producing activities. Yeah, yeah. Or if there's, you know, there's they have a question about an account or how to do this or they need an extra shirt. Yeah, or or you have to go and shadow them, right? Once again, we talked about solutions there with Ciro that no one should ever shadow another rep. It's ineffective. Mm-hmm. You can't get the reps you want to see. So just go back and examine. Go go roll the tape and look look and listen to how those those conversations went and then provide your coaching opportunities. Yeah. But uh, but what I used to tell my managers is anytime you feel like there's no other solution except for you have to be off the doors at this point, call me first. And I can't tell you, it was probably, you know, 49 out of 50 times oh. that I had a solution that allowed for them to stay on the doors. Dude, and you're, you're spot on with that. Like, if you have a manager, it's like, well, Jared or Ryan, I just, I, there's just so much to do. I can't do it. Like literally within one to two questions, you can completely <laughs> destroy their logic for why they can't personally produce. Yeah. And once again, it's just very simple. It comes down to effectiveness, comes down to prioritizing, right? So instead you have team meetings, you have to look at the repetition accounts. You have to clean up accounts. You have to do account progression. You have to do coachings. You have to do trainings. You have all these different things they typically do as a rep to progress accounts uh, or to clean up the pipeline or to help, you know, lead and manage your reps. Like, cool. Well, you have from when you wake up, whenever that is, all the way until 2.30, 3 o'clock, yeah. right? It's not like we're we're not running a lot of appointments. We're not going out and crushing doors at 8 a.m., Yeah. right? So keep it really simple. When you wake up till 3 o'clock, I mean, if you woke up at 6, 7, even 8 o'clock, you have anywhere, you know, 7 to 9 hours for – you know, managerial tasks, team meetings, family time, all yep. this. And then what we tell our managers, it's three o'clock, it's production mode. Yeah. You're telling, you've set the expectation and standard with your team. Hey guys, if it's three o'clock, I'm not answering your calls. I'm not answering your texts. Yep. There's just nothing that is that pressing that should pull you away from production. For sure. Because once again, in a, in a production-based business, we have to be so aligned with what actually adds revenue to not only the 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 rep, but what adds revenue to the the company. Yeah, and if you're a manager and you're listening to this and you're like, okay, like like if if you've been waiting for us to give you permission mm-hmm. that it's okay in some ways to be a little selfish, 
I don't think it's selfish at all, but maybe that's how you viewed it, right? Yep. That, that there are committed, dedicated hours when you're in performance mode, right? It's, it's such a pillar of a successful team to create this belief system that it isn't a selfish act. You're just trying to give everybody some hope mm -hmm. of what's possible. We remove that, then all bets are off. Yep, exactly. Because now, though, with the structure, it's like it sh it relieves that anxiety, right? And like you said, it gives them permission. So if it is 4 o'clock, 4.30, 5 o'clock, they don't have to have that anxiety of like, oh, I've got to produce, but then I also have to, have to put out this fire and that fire to answer this call. Like, no, 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 no. It's three o'clock. You're in production mode. Everybody's in agreement in the office because you've set the agreement. You set the expectation up front and everybody's on the same page, right? Yeah. Unless it's some crazy emergency. Totally. Right. Which you've always said this, like there's usually most situations are not actual real emergencies. Yeah. Uh, and obviously if there's even things like I need help with this account or I need help running credit or this, that, or the other, it's like, okay, well that then speaks to the effectiveness of the training that you're supposed to do in the front half of the day. Yes. You know? Yeah. So that should then inform you that uh, I should do better and make sure my reps are more prepared. So then when three o'clock rolls around, they're in production. Yeah, months. for example. And if you're, if you're a manager for an extended period of time, there's a lot that you're going to learn when you're, when you're brand new of, of what not to do and what to do and, and a little bit of trial, trial by fire, but it's, you're going to get an education along the way of like, Oh man, this, this concern keeps getting brought up by my rep or, oh man, like he, like a lot of the reps are still a little confused around this or, you know, we're, we're getting this challenge or this objection. Like once again, it's all going to tell a story and then you can now go back to your people and you can train them on those things. And as the new wave comes in, the new, new reps come in, then you know to tackle those things up front mm -hmm. and, and my hallucination is is that where you're at when you start as a manager versus where you're at in six months or, or 12 months from then, it should start to get a lot easier because yeah. you start to learn all of these things that you should should get ahead of mm -hmm. as a manager so they don't come back and, and, and create challenges for reps later on down the road. And one of the things that you've said, I always love this, that your reps are always watching. Yeah. So like I think, I think managers think like, always watching, watching you. Um, just in the bushes, like really scary, yeah. like watching you knock yeah. doors. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like you always say that, like, like, you know, the, like those reps are always watching your behavior. Right. And so you're always, if they're always watching, then you're always teaching them yeah. either by your behavior or lack of what you're, of what you're, uh, what you're doing. And I, I remember this, uh, back to, you know, a mentor, a good friend of mine, uh, was a manager of mine, uh, during one of my summers. And he taught me this print. He taught me this principle to where, once again, team meetings. Everything was just, the team meeting in the morning was freaking fi like fire. He poured so much value into those meetings because he knew at a certain point of the day he wasn't going to talk to talk to the reps, right? And so then when it hit, you know, two two thirty, it was production mode, and oh my gosh, like dude, I can't tell you, you didn't even really have to talk about it. It was just how the office behaved, yeah. the actions of the manager, the actions of the office, it, it, it spoke so, so much louder than if somebody said, Hey, come, come two or two thirty, then we just make sure that we work and we work really hard. Like, like that's what it, like, it, it sounded like a church. It's, it sounds like a church mouse. If you just say it, yeah. whereas if you show it by example, your actions, that's where it's an absolute megaphone, right? It yeah. almost becomes like this becomes this promise that everybody just understands in the office. Two, two, thir two thirty, three o'clock rolls around. It is production mode. 
I remember one time I was like, I really want to shadow you. Really want to shadow you. I like begged him for like weeks. He eventually let me come and shadow him. And you know, you, you kind of think if you're in this, like you, you imagine if you're like, I don't know, if you're like flipping burgers or something and you're like, Hey, let me shadow you. See how I do this. Like they're probably instructing you a lot. Like you do this, then you do that. You do this, you do that. And that's kind of just how I like imagined this shadowing was going to go. But I, I was dead wrong. Yeah. Like I got, on, I got on the doors with him. He's like, shit your mouth. Yeah. Totally. He told me, he told, he literally told me to be quiet and to not say a word. Yeah. And he probably said five words to me. Like I thought in between doors, he's going to give me like good advice. Can give me good life advice? Do this. Make sure to say that. Make sure to do that. <laughs> and it was like, no, I was dead wrong. Yeah. But that was the, that's the best way of leading. Yeah. And he understood that. So that way he was just in production mode, right? He's seeing this house. He's seeing that house. He's, he's like almost, almost running from this house. That was the most powerful lesson for me. Yeah. And then even on the, he knocked on the door. I think a lot of people like, oh, they talk, chit chat and stuff. Nope. No words. He was just focused. Like for all intents and purposes, like I wasn't even there, yeah. you know, but he was just doing his thing. And that was the best example. So I, I would challenge, you know, you leaders out there as well. If there ever has been a time, like, first of all, I think shadowing is pretty pointless, right? Pretty worthless. Yeah. Like, let's just put a death, like, the end yeah, of it. Just, if you're just, doing that practice, just stop. Just, yeah, just, just... Leverage the Suro technology. We have that for a reason. It's a, a significant enough investment for Encore. Mm -hmm. Use it and abuse it. Yep. It's your best friend. Yep. Use this principle, though. Even, even when you are out by yourself, you're out there crushing doors, you're out there producing... And you have reps that are calling or texting you, whatever. You need to treat it just like that manager treated <laughs> treated me, you know. Yeah. Uh, and once again, back to your point. Oh, that that's selfish. No, like this manager was the most unselfish person. Like he was trying to pour into me and teach me a principle. Yeah. And it was the greatest gift he could have given me. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you have to see exactly how it should be performed. Yes. Right. Yes. It's, exactly. It's funny. Like I, I think. You know, a lot of us come from similar pedigrees, and I had a manager, same type of thing. It's like, hey, when when I, it was, it was very clear. It was like, you don't say anything. Let me just go and show you by example. And and it was just, it was such an, it was almost like an art when you see it the first time. Yeah. You know, and and there were, you know, I'm I'm an extrovert. There were actually moments when I felt bold enough to want to chime in, and I I only did it once. And then he looked at me with dagger eyes, like, shut your mouth. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, okay, we're, uh, we're super clear, but you know, it's a whole nother topic altogether. But a lot of times when you're in that production mode, um, you're clearly trying to get a sale and there's certain strategies you're going to utilize, which benefit you. You know, some of those are, are being silent, you know, you close and then you're silent and, uh, that pressure helps customers make decisions you know and so there's just some some other things that, of, of reasons why but uh it's so absolutely uh it, it's absolutely critical that we look at ourselves as leaders and just realize as you said jared so eloquently like our example is more powerful than anything else we can say all the right things but talk is cheap man mm -hmm. and until we go out there and we show by example it's people don't ever quite feel enrolled, but then all of a sudden they say, Oh my gosh, Jared's out here doing this along with me. Not only is he doing it with me, he's doing it way better mm -hmm. than I could do it. Right. And it just, it gives this level of confidence to 
to your reps that that they just wouldn't have any other way. Dude, I mean, we could go on and on about that. Yeah. Like yeah. absolutely on and on. Like not only does it establish, it sets the tone for 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 the for the whole belief system of the office. Yeah. Like you said, you said it not only instills confidence in the office, but as a leader, it then helps to build your confidence. You show up more powerfully. You show oh, up more yeah. present with your team totally. in team meetings. You can hold people accountable easily. Like yeah. I can't tell you if somebody's not producing. Like how do you feel bold enough to hold somebody yeah. else accountable? For sure, we're like, in this, we're in, and as opposed to when you are doing it right, like yeah, I'm seeing the same customers you're seeing. We're in the exact same territories. Yes. Look at my results. Yeah. Right. Clearly, there's a chink in your armor. We need to identify that and eradicate it. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's super, super powerful.